like to invite the rest of you to listen to these words. They're great words. They're profound words. And I quote, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. What you just heard used to be common knowledge among all Christians. It's one of, if not the oldest, Christian confession. A confession is something that people agree to. This is something that Christians now for thousands of years have agreed to, and it used to be something that all Christians memorized. Perhaps they even repeated it together. It's well known. It's well known, and it was important because Christians the world over considered the things in that statement to be some of the most important things in the whole world, not to mention the whole Bible. It's strange that they're not very familiar words to lots of us. I find it odd that many of those things are forgotten among Christians today. I'm not here to scold you. I'm not here to say, oh, the good old days. But I am to say, if those things really are that vital and that important, those things that are spelled out there, the Christians would memorize it, repeat it together, they would know those things as central to Christianity, it would be good for us to at least revisit them. It would be good for us at least to, to know what that statement is and what it's about. If you're thinking that comes from some Swiss theologian or some German theologian or maybe some Scottish theologian, um, you wouldn't be right. It's actually a quotation from the New Testament. And I'd like you to see it with me if you would. If you have a Bible, it's in 1 Timothy chapter 3. You can look up 1 Timothy. There's 1 and 2 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 3. It's one of, if not the oldest confession agreements where Christians could say, if we have to summarize Christianity, we can do it in these simple lines covering some of the very most important things in the whole world. I doubt you'll have it memorized by the time we leave today, but these are the kinds of things you memorize. What are the basics? What are the foundational building blocks to Christianity? Well, here are some of them, no doubt. You've already heard it, but I'd like you to see it and hear it at the same time. First Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 says, Great indeed we confess, we agree, this is unanimous among Christians, is the mystery of godliness. He's talking about the gospel. Because then he says, he, Jesus, was manifested in the flesh. He became one of us. Incarnation. Vindicated by the Spirit. As we'll see, that's a resurrection statement. Vindicated by the Spirit. Raised by the Spirit. Seen by angels. Proclaimed or preached among the nations. Great commission. Believed on in the world. And then taken up in glory. Ascension. Great, great summary of some of the, the most amazing, wonderful Christian truths. Today, this Easter Sunday, because resurrection is in there and focused upon, today we're going to focus on that statement about resurrection. Vindicated by the Spirit. 
vindicated by the Spirit, resurrected by the Spirit. If you're a note taker, I will have an outline this morning. Five vindication realities vital to knowing Jesus. Five vindication realities vital to knowing Jesus, vital to understanding Christianity. The theme is going to be vindication, his, Jesus is, his and yours. Okay, so we're going to start talking about Jesus and his vindication, but that will lead us to talking about how that's good news to us and how important it is if we're going to be vindicated. I should begin by defining vindication, shouldn't I? I had to write it down for my boys. Vindication. Here it is. Think about how we might use the term. We don't use it daily, but we might use the term when, when you're wrongfully accused of something and then the truth comes out, you might say something like, I feel vindicated. The truth is now known and now I'm shown to be innocent. I didn't actually do what I was accused of doing. It's that kind of idea. You're proven right in the end. The truth comes out. That's vindicated, vindication. And we're going to see that Christ at his resurrection was vindicated, okay? And then we're going to see how his resurrection benefits us so that we can be vindicated. I bet you've never heard a vindication Easter sermon, but isn't that a tragedy? The earliest confession summarized resurrection as vindication. I promise you, you'll be able to leave today if you engage your mind and hopefully have your heart stirred and you'll be more encouraged by the work of Christ than when you came today. Okay? It's worth the efforting. It's worth the learning. I promise. I promise. Number one, the vindication of Jesus is his justification. Lots of Asian words, okay? It's worth learning. It's to your benefit in the end. The vindication of Jesus is his justification. That sounds odd because usually when we say justification in Christian circles, we're talking about our justification. Justification is a legal term, and it's when God declares, like a courtroom scene, he declares sinners righteous, even though they're not. He declares us obeyers, even if we're not obeyers, and that's because of the work of his son, Jesus, who is the perfect obeyer, if you will, okay? Justification. It's a prized reality in, among Christians because we believe in justification by faith alone, in Christ alone, okay? We're going to be declared right before God because of Jesus. But here in 1 Timothy, Jesus' vindication is his justification. Have you ever stopped to think that Jesus was justified? Jesus was declared righteous. Well, if you haven't, I'm going to invite you to, and if you have, awesome. But let's go ahead and relook at 1 Timothy 3.16. This is an amazing, amazing reality. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, incarnation, became one of us, and here we go, vindicated by the Spirit. Vindicated, the Greek word is translated vindicated, but it's the same exact word for justified. Some translations might even translate it that way. If it helps you to think of, of it in right terms, go ahead and write it in your margin. Jesus was justified by the Spirit. 
Jesus indeed was justified. I like it that my translation that I'm preaching from says vindicated because it would seem too confusing at first. But on further reflection, now I'm faced with what does that mean? Perhaps you're even thinking, I've only ever thought about my own justification. How could Jesus be justified? It's right there, inspired scripture. What Christians all have confessed throughout the ages, Jesus, by the Spirit, we're going to see that's in reference to resurrection, was declared righteous. Jesus was justified at resurrection. It's one of those kind of moments where you say, well, I'll be. There it is, right there. What's that all about? Well, what it's all about is Jesus being righteous. Okay? Jesus is called the righteous in 1 Peter chapter 3. I believe it's verse 18. It's a common theme. Jesus is the righteous. When he's raised from the dead, it's a declaration that he's righteous. Okay? He's declared righteous. How about drum roll? He's declared righteous. This is profound because... He is. (laughs) Okay? That's the point. Jesus is declared righteous because he is righteous. Righteous is a word that always is in relationship to law. Okay? It means adhering to the law, obeying the law. Jesus is declared righteous because he is righteous. Jesus is declared a perfect law keeper that he always loved his father, he always loved his neighbor, drum roll, because he did. <laughs> it's, it's an affirmation of what's true, okay? Jesus is raised from the dead, declared righteous because Jesus is righteous. Always was, perfect to the nth degree. He loved God with heart, soul, mind, and strength, and he loved his neighbor as himself, and the resurrection declares it proves it. Okay? It's fascinating. Now, we're going to talk more about this. But for now, let's just remember, Jesus was crucified because supposedly he was a lawbreaker. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Okay? Cursed. He's a violator. He's a trespasser. He's a lawbreaker. No, that's a false accusation. And we know it's a false accusation because he couldn't stay dead. We're going to get to this. He was raised from the dead declaring what was said about him wasn't true. He was justified. He was declared righteous because he is. And you might be thinking, what does this have to do with me? In one sense, I want to say, we're not to that part yet. Calm down. Christianity isn't about you. I mean, right? It's about Christ. It's about what he did for his honor, for his glory, resurrection. It's so that he would have the name above all names, right? And and he would be esteemed above all others. And so we want to make sure we put the emphasis where it should be. He really is the perfect one. Resurrection declares it resoundingly so. And if you've never thought in these terms, again, I'm recruiting today. I want you to think in these terms. Glorify Christ like you've never glorified Christ before. Read 1 Timothy 3 and think, I've never thought about that. Or if you have thought about that, you might just say, I have thought about that. I'm thankful the pastor reminded me of that. Vindication, vindicated, declared righteous because he is righteous. The truth came out, if you will. 
Isn't it cool? I think it's so cool. I told my wife, Molly, I leaned over and I said, you're going to hear the most interesting Easter sermon you've ever heard in your life. And she said, be nice. (laughs) And then I said, what I mean is when you leave, you'll have opportunity to be more amazed by Christ than you were when you came. The vindication, the justification of Jesus is an amazing, amazing reality worth recovering. I was listening to a book yesterday on audiobook. I like to do that. And that person was just teaching some kind of principles about leadership or something. But he talked about how supposedly experts say you're going to meet 10,000 people in your life. I don't know if it's true or not. But you're going to meet a lot of people, but you're not going to actually have that many friends and you're not actually going to influence that many people. And his challenge was if you could just influence 10 people in your life with this. And I thought to myself, you know what? I would love it if everyone at Omaha Bible Church tomorrow, today, could influence 10 people with the reality of vindication. Jesus made great claims to be righteous. You know what? He was. He was. He was justified. God declared him righteous because he was righteous. Now let's move on to a second reality vital to knowing Jesus, and that is this. The vindication of Jesus, this one's going to be super easy because we've already talked about it. The vindication of Jesus happened at his resurrection. It happened at his resurrection. I'm mainly doing this one so you don't take my word for it. Because in 1 Timothy 3, it doesn't say say that's when it happened. But the common agreement is he's talking about when he talks about vindicated by the spirit, it's in the context, it's in the flow, it's talking about resurrection. And when you cross reference to other texts that talk about the spirit and resurrection, we we learn for sure that 1 Timothy 3 is shorthand for resurrection. That's all I'm saying. So if you'd like to look it up, you can. If you don't want to look it up, you can just write it in your margin of 1 Timothy 3. I want to come back to 1 Timothy 3, but a a cross-reference to Romans 1 would help. Romans 1, I'm going to read verses 3 and 4. The Apostle Paul speaking the same kind of way, and he spells it out and uses the word resurrection, whereas the word resurrection isn't used in 1 Timothy 3.16. I think it's implied via shorthand. So Romans 1, 3 says, concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh. So he's got this physical lineage, Jesus does. Verse 4, and was declared. This is a formal declaration. He was declared for all to hear and for all to see and for all to know. To be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness. That would be the Holy Spirit. By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. When was it declared that he was who he claimed to be? When was it made officially known, officially declared that Jesus wasn't a false prophet, he was the true Messiah, true Son of God, true fulfiller of the law, the true representative? It happened at resurrection. Just didn't want you to take my word for it, reading into, but we should, I think, read that into 1 Timothy 3, 16, where it's vindicated by the Spirit, shorthand for vindicated by the Spirit when the Spirit raised him from the dead, is what it's really all about. If 
if he's vindicated at resurrection, let's, let's think about resurrection for a moment. Resurrection can't happen apart from death. So Jesus was crucified. Death in the Bible comes why? Death comes because of sin. Death comes because of rebellion. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. Ezekiel says the soul that sins will die. It's all over the place. Where there is rebellion, where there is unrighteousness, sin, there will be death. Jesus dies. Is that right? Let me use another word that's related. Is that righteous? No. That's wrong. It's totally wrong. He didn't deserve to die. The wages of sin is death, and he's the spotless lamb of God, the sinless one. It is so wrong for him to to die. Not to mention the kind of death that he died. It's wrong for him to die. He didn't deserve to die. He voluntarily dies because he's a substitute. He voluntarily takes on our sin. He never becomes a sinner. But he voluntarily takes it. Then he goes to the cross. But because he never sinned, he had to be resurrected. He absolutely had to be resurrected. It was impossible for him to not be resurrected. It was impossible for him to not be vindicated. And the Bible speaks in these terms. It's an amazing reality. He was vindicated at his resurrection. Proven to be sinless. Proven to be righteous. It's an amazing, amazing, amazing thing. I like Acts 2.24 for this. Acts 2.24 says, God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death. How about this? Because it was not possible for him to be held by it. It was impossible for Jesus to stay dead. (laughs) Because he's righteous. Not long ago, on on Sunday mornings, we've been studying the gospel according to John. And in John chapter 8, we have the same reality. In John chapter 8, verse 28, it's talking about crucifixion. And then in 29, it says this, listen. And he who sent me, Jesus is talking about his father. He who sent me, he's, he's crucifixion context. But he who sent me is with me. See, there's hope. There wouldn't be hope in crucifixion. But, but he's with me. There's hope. He has not left me alone. For, here's the reason, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. See the logic of it? Yeah, crucifixion is coming. But, but I'm not going to be abandoned entirely. Yes, crucifixion and judgment and all that. But, but he's with me. And the reason he's with me, and I know that he's with me, Translation, I won't stay dead. I will be resurrected because I, Jesus says, always do the things that are pleasing to him. I'm righteous. I've always loved him with my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I've always loved my neighbor as myself. Vindication at resurrection. Proven to be so. Proven to be true. Very, very, very exciting. Think of it in these terms. Empty tomb equals... Vindication, right? Equals Jesus is indeed who he claimed to be. 
He is indeed the one who is the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who takes away sin. He is indeed the one who is the perfect one. He is indeed the one who is unique. It's exciting stuff. I know we're not to you yet. But even if this had nothing to do with you and had nothing to do with me, it still would be great and Christ should be honored and pleased. He is indeed the perfect human being. The eternal Son of God humbles Himself and becomes one of us to do what none of us have done. He's, he's worthy of honor and glory and praise. He is unique like no one else. So why is all of this important when it comes to our life? Number three, vindication Reality number three, the vindication of Jesus is the key to your vindication. Okay? You might not even know it. You might not even know that that's what you need more than anything in life. But it is what everyone needs more than anything else. Your greatest need. Okay? Maslow's hierarchy of needs is not right. More than food, clothing, and shelter and basic needs, what you need is for God to accept you. What you need is to be seen by God as righteous. You need to be seen by God as if you loved Him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loved your neighbor as yourself 24-7 ever since you've been in existence. That's what you need. So God can accept you. It's the great need. The vindication of Jesus via His resurrection is the key to your vindication where God will declare you righteous even though none of us are. Okay? Romans 3 says, no one is righteous. See, that, that, that's just a deal killer. That's terrible. But Romans 4 talks about Christ's righteousness for us. His resurrection for us. So if you have a Bible, I'll ask you to turn to Romans chapter 4. See, today we celebrate the, the resurrection of Jesus, the vindication of Jesus... The justification of Jesus, and, and it's even more exciting because it's actually for us. Because that's what we need. This is exciting stuff. So Romans 4, the, the theme in Romans has been emphasized. No one's righteous. No one is going to be acceptable by God. Everyone needs to be, but no one is. And then there's this development that, oh, we're, we're, we're Righteous were justified, declared righteous by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, only by faith, and it's faith in God's provision in Jesus. Okay? Hopefully you're starting to connect the dots. Let's go ahead and jump in Romans 4, verse 25. 4.25 says... That is why his, he's talking about Abraham from the Old Testament, his faith was counted to him as righteousness. 
See, Abraham wasn't righteous himself, but he trusted God for righteousness because that's what he needs. Verse 23, but the words, it was counted to him, it was credited to him, were not written for his sake alone. Verse 24, but for ours also. We need to learn from that. It will be counted to us who believe or who trust in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. We've already learned that that is vindication. Being declared righteous. Jesus is declared righteous. Jesus is vindicated. And if we believe in him, we gain righteous status. Verse 25 says, who was delivered up for our trespasses. That's a violation of law term. We're, we're not righteous. We're not going to be vindicated on our own. We, we would be condemned on our own because of trespasses. He was delivered up for our trespasses. But notice, drum roll again. And verse 25, raised for our justification. Or you've learned today, you could put, insert the word, for our vindication. Because they're one and the same. This is super exciting. This is mind-blowing, off the charts, why didn't somebody tell me about this a long time ago exciting. His vindication, his being declared righteous, is the key to your being declared righteous. Or we could start inserting the synonyms. His resurrection... Proof that he's righteous, right? Declaration of righteousness. His resurrection is the key to your resurrection. Now I'm getting ahead of myself, but I couldn't stand it. That's the next point, I think. <laughs> but for now, you need to be accepted by God. You need God to declare you righteous. But you're not. And I'm not. How can it happen? It can happen by the work of Jesus being credited to you. And the emphasis right now in Romans 4 is resurrection. Now that's assuming death, it's assuming life, it's assuming all of those other things. But for now and for this morning, perhaps we need to see resurrection as more significant than we ever have. At the resurrection of Jesus, God said, He is righteous. Declaration. When you trust in Jesus, you put your faith in Him, you're resting in Him, not in yourself or whatever you might be able to do, that's the key to you being declared righteous. Yours isn't based upon your own righteousness. Yours is based upon His. But His vindication, His righteousness is the key to your vindication. That's why we tell people, believe in Jesus, trust in Jesus. You, you, you need God to declare you righteous. Otherwise you go to hell. Otherwise you get what you deserve. Otherwise you stay dead. Not only do you stay dead, you face the second death, ultimate death. It's terrible. That's why we need an empty tomb. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we say, oh, vindication is awesome. Vindicated by the Spirit. Christians have been saying that for thousands of years. And they are, they, they're loving it enough to memorize it. Yes. Because His vindication is the key to your vindication. It's exciting stuff. Very exciting. This, by the way, is, is why we say we believe in justification by faith alone, in Christ alone. Which is to say we believe in vindication by faith alone, in Christ alone. It's all Him, see? The key to your resurrection is His. This is why Paul can say in Romans chapter 8 that every good thing is yours guaranteed in Christ. 
This is why we have assurance of salvation. What's it going to be like on the day when I have to stand before God and be judged? If you think about that, you should be terrified. It's going to be terrible. No one's righteous. No, not one. So you live in fear. And then religion gets introduced and do this and try this and how about this and here's the list and how about this holy day and how about this holy day and how about this holy day and how about all of these other things and how about all these rules and regulations. No assurance. Maybe that's one reason why we haven't heard a lot of Easter sermons about the vindicating work of Jesus. Because I'm here to tell you, if you trust in Christ and in Christ alone, you can be confident and sure because guess what's already happened? The cross and resurrection. The key to yours, it's still future, but it's His which already happened. This is why we love resurrection. Isn't it good? But don't, if you don't want people to be sure, don't let the secret out. If you want to control people and manipulate people, don't share it with ten others. But if you want to undermine and topple human-made filthy religion, learn about vindication. That His is yours. You want to honor Christ and see Him exalted and have Him be the center of attention? Talk about his vindicating work. He was, ah, got to quote Romans 4 one more time. He was raised for our justification. I read that so many times in my life, my life, and I thought, I have no idea what that means. Raised for our justification. Because at his resurrection, he was justified. Based upon his own righteousness, and ours is not based upon our own. Ours is based upon his pretty cool and I'm being nice <laughs> this isn't anything new we don't have time right now it's, it's beyond our scope but this isn't a new thing it, I, Isaiah 50 is fascinating because it's the servant theme the suffering servant theme and Isaiah 50 leads into Isaiah 53 and if you read those chapters together and you start looking for the servant who suffers who suffers wrongly and yet is obedient anyway with confidence that his Lord would vindicate him and Isaiah 53 the one who is vindicated shares the spoils, if you will, right? That's the terminology he uses. He shares the benefits with his people. Yep. This isn't anything new. This is prophesied or foreshadowed or however you'd like to say it. I'm not sure which is most proper right now because I didn't write it down. But you get the idea. Fascinating stuff. Okay, on a related note, and I've already gotten to this one and let the cat out of the bag, but... On a related note, number four, the vindication of Jesus is the key to your resurrection. It's the key to your resurrection. Let me just put it in these terms. You'll like this. Jesus couldn't stay dead. Right? Acts 2. 
he was going to be vindicated no matter what. If you're trusting in Jesus for your justification, like Romans says, you can't stay dead. It's impossible. It's absolutely, positively, without any doubt, if the Bible teaches anything, you can't stay dead. Pretty good. Pretty good. That's why we love resurrection. That's why we love Jesus. He conquered sin and the grave and he did everything right so that God could declare him righteous. But he did that so that God could declare you righteous based upon the righteousness of another. Never going to think about a Christian funeral the same way in my life. Cannot stay dead. The second death has no hold over you. There's all kinds of, I, I, this is a little bit of a rewind. All this discussion about, you know, what it's going to be like in the end, in the future. And, you know, we believe in justification by faith alone, uh, because of Christ alone. Yeah, but what about later? Will God have some kind of double payment? We've got to be justified based upon our works. And what we're learning this morning would, would just give a death blow to that thinking. Once you are resurrected, and you will be resurrected, it's your vindication. It's God declaring you righteous, even though you're not. Because He's already declared you righteous when you trusted in His Son, Jesus. It's a reenactment. That probably isn't the right theologically theological thing to say, but the same thing relates. Colossians 1.18, Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Yeah. That's why. Finally, number five. Vindication reality number five. The vindication of Jesus is proof that he will bring judgment to unbelievers. It is proof that he will bring judgment to unbelievers. This is why we say believe in Jesus. This is why we, we say repent of your sin. Believe in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Because resurrected Jesus is proof that he's righteous. And to judge righteously, you've got to be a righteous judge. Jesus is a righteous judge because he was raised from the dead, vindicated, declared righteous. So in that sense, resurrection, if you don't trust in the resurrected one, is worse than your worst nightmare. Because you're going to get fairness from the fair one. Okay, that, this is Acts 17. Okay, Acts 17, good news proclaimed, good news regarding Jesus, urging them to believe, urging them to repent. But he does talk about the vindication of Jesus in that text, in Acts 17. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, officially declared, like in Romans 1. And of this he has given assurance. There's assurance. That's a terrible assurance. To all by raising him from the dead. Proof that God is going to give unbelievers what they deserve. Judge in righteousness. Okay? That's what righteousness is. Fairness. Justice. Proof that God's going to just uh, judge in righteousness is the fact that 
There's a resurrected one who was thereby declared righteous so he can carry out righteous judgment. It's a vindication text. This is why I've said before, if you're an unbeliever and you don't like Jesus, you should probably enter a PhD program trying to disprove the resurrection. The last thing you want in the world is an empty tomb because Jesus was raised from the dead. Because by raising him from the dead, God officially declared and put the world on notice. There is one who is worthy to judge. And it's the justified one, the righteous one, whose name is Jesus. That's bad assurance for you. The great thing is, in the same sermon, the Apostle Paul was urging people to repent. I would do the same thing. The other amazing thing is, as a result, in the end, it says that there were those who believed. They trusted. His vindication becomes your vindication. Now, what this has to do with eggs and rabbits, I have no idea. <laughs> but I hear the malls open today. So we're going to let the mall do the mall's thing, and we're going to let the church do the church's thing, because it would be great if we could join Christians from throughout the ages today and glory in and confess and be amazed by the fact that Jesus was vindicated by the Spirit. That's good news. That's great news. I hope you leave encouraged by that news today. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, the risen Savior, that he was raised for our justification. Indeed, one day we will stand before you. And what we don't want is for you to give us what we deserve. We want to stand before you in Christ, united to Christ by faith. His vindication being our vindication. Acceptable in Christ. Such good news. May those who have never trusted in Christ do so today. May those who are trusting in Christ be all the more affirmed and encouraged today by the resurrection of Jesus. Lord, now as we eat bread and we drink wine in remembrance of Jesus, may we have opportunity to remember Jesus as He should be remembered the one who is none other than the righteous, the one who is none other than the vindicated one, the one who is none other than the one who was vindicated for us so that we too might share in the confidence of eternal life and acceptance by you. In Jesus' name, amen.